Welcome to the Author's Podcast with Lisa Newton. Writing a book is a dream for many people, and in today's society, it has become easier and more important than ever. If you are an expert, speaker, coach, or an authority in your field, having a book is the new business card. It can increase your credibility, enhance your status, and make you the go-to person in your field. Opening doors and bringing a flood of opportunities straight to you. You can increase your fees and start choosing the clients you really want to work with. The Authors Podcast Show with Lisa Newton is designed to inspire, educate and inform you, both entrepreneur and individual, on how to write a book, as well as writer's tips and strategies on how to actually get that book written. On today's show, you learn more about how to write a book, including writing ideas, marketing, and how to succeed in getting a book written. Here we go with the author's podcast, and here is your host, Lisa Newton. So hello and welcome to another episode of the author's podcast, thanking you for joining me once again. On today's show, I'm talking to Christopher Moss, who is a store manager. He's been in retail for 28 years. He has two children who are 12 and 10 and is married to the love of his life for 15 years. He's very driven, very loyal and approachable and is an individual that cares for others. Nothing is better for Chris to spend time with his family. Now, it was his horrific ordeal at the hands of an armed robber three years ago that was a life-defining moment for him. And it threw him into crippling anxiety. Struggling to get out of the house, he rebuilt his life and it set him on the course of becoming an author. His first book, Hope Over Anxiety, has given many other sufferers hope. It is about his ordeal. He first started feeling anxious when he lost his brother to cancer when he was aged just 20 months. It is a raw and honest account of how to break free of anxiety. His mission in his life is to help others break free of anxiety, to give them the skills to cope with everything that anxiety throws at them. He teaches people to love their anxiety and to believe that they can dream of an amazing life. He takes great joy in helping others. He's a life coach, best-selling author and store manager. So on the line, I should have Christopher Moss. Hello. (laughs) Good evening, Chris. Good evening. Are you Chris or Christopher? Chris, Chris, please. All right, excellent. It will be Chris going forward. That was an introduction then. My goodness. So an armed robbery. Yeah. Three years ago. Wow. Yeah, three years. Um, just before Christmas, I was working on my own. I opened the store as I normally would do. Um, it's quite pitch black around there. And it was a great opportunity for the, somebody to uh, come in. And that's exactly what happened. Threatened me with a hammer, told me to open the safe, um, which I did. It was about 45 minutes ordeal, and he uh, eventually uh, escaped. Um, my life was worth £3,500, which, you know, is not much really. One of the worst experiences of my entire life. He got quite irate during it as well. Thankfully, he didn't hurt me other than roughing me up a little bit. Um, but several times he did lift his hammer up to try and hit him over the head when um, the uh, safe wouldn't open. And it was getting quite sort of heated. So um, it was quite a scary experience. But um, it's something that um, hit me really hard. But also it was something that I have to think is my life defining moment. Mm. Because after that, 
I managed to rebuild my life. How many people get the opportunity to look at uh, their life and, and see that it's not good enough and need to make changes? Not many people face death like I did and make a decision that um, what I'd done up to that point wasn't good enough and I managed to rebuild myself piece by piece. Right. In terms of the whole ordeal, it mm. can be quite shocking. How mm. long did it take for you to sink in? Do you know, because sometimes when, when bad things happen to you, you can feel like it was mm. a dream. Like, Well, the second he come through the door, and obviously he had balaclava and stuff on him, I swore quite heavily, and, and it sank in straight away. But one of the things I've learned, and, and it's the same thing that happened when I lost my brother, was I can detach myself. Mm. And I just, um, my focus was... I need to make sure that the uh, robber has got exactly what he wants. Um, I'm no hero. Um, I want to make sure that my wife has a husband still and my kids still have a father. So that was really much my focus, and, and that's what I had to do. Yeah. You know, you'd been in retail, so altogether 28 years. So at that point, you'd been in retail for, for around about 25 years. Yeah. And had anything even vaguely resembling that ever happened to you previously? I've had a few experiences, but not on the level of that. I have had experiences where I've been beaten up at work. Oh. <laughs> yeah, I've had experiences where um, I've had people throwing baby oil at me. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> Which is quite a bizarre thing to say. But um, yeah, aside from that, you know, I've had that was the worst thing by far. So you was pretty shaken up after that experience. Mm. How did you deal with it? Did you go back to work straight away or did it creep up on you, the whole anxiety? Or was it just like immediately after that point, it was just like, oh my gosh. Yeah. Well, I've had anxiety for sort of 30 years, but that just took it to another level. The police sent me home because I wanted to set the store back up again um, and just sort you know, I've just... I've just had this arm robbery, but, you know, I'll just focus on getting the store set up, getting everything um, sorted, getting the, getting the police on, and then I open the store and then moving forward again. But the police said, look, you know, you start, you start to show signs of shock. You need mm. to go home, which mm. I did do. Um, a couple of days I was okay, and then I just, just hit rock bottom and continued to get that way, if I'm honest. It took me two months to recover. It got to the point where I needed to get back to work and I felt that I needed to find another job because there's no way that I could work in that environment anymore. And that was really my focus. So I managed to um, find another company and I managed to move myself forward. I wasn't well in any way, shape or form, but I managed to fake it and start rebuilding my life. It was at work where I started to improve myself. Mm. So that time when you was at home during that period then for those two months, what was sort of going through your mind? There would be times where I'd actually live for being and feeling numb, where I didn't feel anything at all. You know, there were small pockets during the day where I it just I couldn't feel anything, which was I felt was great. There was was times where I felt just rage coming over me, sort of anger and shame for what had happened. Shame that you know I just kind of brought it on myself, which is a, a silly thing to feel, but a lot of victims do. I felt sorry for myself. I was sort of wallowing in my own self-pity. I struggled to get out of the house, putting my feet outside the door. I would sort of physically shake and I'd really worry. And I'd, at night, I would have um, dreams of him um, coming back. It's written in my book. Outside a house at the back, there's a sort of like a door which you can see through glass door. I sort of had sort of dreams of him standing at the door with a hammer in his hands waiting for me to open the door so he could oh, come in. So um, I had a lot of dreams like that um, during the two months that um, I did it. And I just, I really, really struggled. You know, I couldn't even look in the mirror. I felt that bad. I was sort of shame and, and anger at myself and the situation. I struggled to sleep. 
and say I had to go to the doctors. The only time I could leave the house, really, I, was, I had to force myself was to take my kids to school. But uh, I kind of faked it to my family as well. I didn't want them to see how much I was suffering. I sort of distanced myself from my wife and I distanced myself from my mum and dad and sort of like tried to, tried to fix myself. Hmm. But I just, I thought I struggled. Um, I said I went to see the doctors um, several times um, during that time. They recommended me go on um, sort of anxiety uh, pills. The recommendation was uh, that it would take six weeks for it to cut, kick in and make me feel better, wow. uh, in which case I'd get to get worse. Mm. <laughs> Those six weeks, I needed to get a new, another job and I needed to get out, and, and, I, and I felt really bad as it was. How on earth was I then going to get a job feeling even worse than what I do now? I, mm. you know, I was only looking short term, if I'm honest. So I refused, and I just started, once I get back to work, I started focusing on um, what can I do to, to improve myself because I didn't want to feel this way anymore. Mm. and uh, started uh, I basically faked it for the first sort of like three months I was at work I faked how I felt so was this I in the same workplace or did you get a new job no I got a new job I had an interview I had two interviews in the same day uh, from one side of the country to the other um, and I got a job and I started there quite a big opportunity and it, it went from there I sort of tried to sort of run away which is not easy uh, thing to do but I tried to do that and just started rebuilding myself mm. I started um, listening to sort of superhero music, sort of really inspiring music to, to get me going. I started listening to confidence, YouTube clips, you know, inspirational things. Yeah. Uh, and that sort of got me on the, the course. I started reading books because I wanted to change who I was. And I, I felt that um, the only way I could do that was to be a better person. And uh, so I started reading self-help books and inspirational books. And that's what led me on to start writing my own book and, and moving forward. My wife suggested I, I try meditation. I, I laughed at to start off with. <laughs> um, but um, I said, you know, this isn't going to work. But I actually gave it a go. And it was a massive, massive difference. It's one of the biggest reasons why I'm now a life coach and um, I'm writing books and I'm helping other people. It's because of uh, meditation. Yes. OK. And the new job, was that in retail as well? It was yeah. massive stores. Um, I don't know whether you know the company of B&M um, and they have loads and loads of stores over the last few years. And it was one really close to where I lived, a huge store, um, one of the biggest stores in the company. So it was a great opportunity as a deputy manager to go in there and do some something different. You know, the autonomy that you have there, um, you could inspire people as well. And, and there was a really great opportunity for me to take. OK. Do you have to open up and close that store as well? That's the next point. Yes, I did, but it was a little bit different because there was far more people there. Yeah. I had to face my fear um, very, very early on. There was a few times where um, overnight, because of how the, uh, what's the word, um, basically the alarms kept going off and uh, because there was a, a, a faulty wire with it. So we had to go into the store quite a few times because it said that there was an intruder. So the first two weeks I had to face my fears quite quickly, um, which obviously it wasn't an intruder. But um, it, I had to face my fears very, very quickly with um, with that, which was, I think, was a good thing, if I'm honest. So the alarm would go off, and you would have to go in. Yeah, me and uh, usually the replay manager would go in because we're the closest people. Okay. But it happened quite often, you know, two or three o'clock in the morning. We had to go in and check the store, walk around the perimeter, make sure there was nobody there, and it's quite pitch black around there as well. So it's quite an ex scary experience in itself. Mm. But um, I just sort of like, you know. Sucked it up and done it. Okay. At what point then did you feel like, yeah, you know, I've got to share this experience. I need to write this down. I don't think there's one particular time. 
that uh, I would say I need to share this experience. But one thing that I was very prepared for once I'd sort of like thought I need to, you know, I need to write a book about this. I had to give everything. It has to be authentic. It has to be raw. It has to be everything. I wrote everything I could, um, everything that came out from you know my heart and how I felt during the time. And I actually feel that that was really important for me to get it onto paper um, exactly how I felt and the feedback I've had from people from this has been very, very, very positive and it's helped others. And my pain and my suffering has been helped others, people, and you know, and uh, that's all I can ask for. And it's kind of a bit of a sort of difficult word to you to say, but um, it's been a great feeling for me to, to see that um, I've made a difference to other people. Absolutely. You are listening to The Author's Podcast with me, your host, Lisa Newton. You can email me, lisa at lisanewton.co.uk. And remember, we have The Inner Circle, which is for writers just like you. And you can join us at writerbook.net. If you are just tuning in, I am talking to Chris Moss, and he is the author of Hope Over Anxiety. And it was a book inspired by an armed robbery attempt that he suffered and the journey he's been on to get back to, if you can say normal, if that's a word you you might say. (laughs) How how do you feel about that, Chris? Do you feel like you are who you were before or, or do you think you'll never quite ever be that same Chris as per before the attack? It's a good question. Good question. I actually think that I'm better than I was before. I think that um, the armed robbery was a gift that um, it gave me an opportunity to look at myself and go, I need to make some changes. And I I felt that I was a victim all the time. And I felt that, you know, everybody owed me and uh, I had a bit of a chip on my shoulder. And I felt that um, having that experience humbled me. Uh, I feel I'm a better person since then. I don't want to be that person anymore. And that is a constant reminder of who I was. I felt I was a victim. I felt I had a chip on my shoulder. I wanted to do better, um, not just for myself, but for my, my children. And and also reading books and and actually finding out, because basically from this, I've, I've started to find out who I am as a person, you know, what my uh, anxiety triggers are, who, who I am, regards to what type of person I am. For example, um, I've been stuck, so there's a, a, a podcast called Highly Sensitive People, and that sort of realised that that's the type of person I am and what sort of things I do and don't like. And, and that's right. it was like a spiritual um, awakening, really. I felt the first sort of 41 years of my life I've been um, sleepwalking. Wow. Um, and to have this has been quite a big opportunity to push myself forward and to see that life isn't, you know, just down down on the floor. Looking at, looking at the stars and um, realising that life is what you make it and um, you can head for them. You know, you head for your dreams. You know, the bigger, the better and, and go for it. A little old me is pushing myself beyond what I ever expected and that's all because of the armed robbery. So I, I can't be more than thankful for what happened. Admittedly, first year and two years was extremely difficult. But now I feel that um, it's made me a much stronger, better person. And the last year has been, well, you know, 2017 was an amazing year. Um, amount that I've learned, the amount of people that I've met, amazing people I've met, and the fact that uh, again this year is going to be promises to be an even better uh, year for what I've physically been able to do. You know, this is somebody that uh, is quite shy, um, 
doesn't really talk too much, just likes to get on with things. Find it very difficult to talk to people other than one-to-one. And, and I'm managing to, you know, uh, in the next few months, I'll be going to an anxiety depression support group mm-hmm. um, and I'll be the guest speaker. Oh. You know, I'm doing podcasts with people. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm, I feel that um, my life has dramatically changed, but it needed me to look at who I was, to find out who I was and to find out, who, you know, who my people are, if that's the right word. And yes. I feel that I've done that now. Fair enough. One of the things that did strike me was where you said that you'd suffered from anxiety for the past 30 years. Yeah. When my brother died, when he was 20 months old, I was 10 years old. He had cancer of the eye. They had it removed when he was about 15 months old and he seemed like he was okay. However, there was secondary cancer, which they didn't realise he'd had. And that started to affect him and he got progressively worse, so much so that he couldn't even sit up in the ambulance when he went to the ambulance was um, chicken pox and I brought it into the house yeah looking on it now that actually probably helped him because going forward it would have been even worse for him but because his body was the uh, cancer um, he, he couldn't fight the uh, chicken pox so he actually passed away um, on the 12th of March 1985 with cancer but as a 10 year old I blame myself because if I didn't have chicken pox he wouldn't have died. Yes. So I carried that around with me for a good sort of 30 odd years. Not the, that feeling uh, to start, you know, at the start off of that was that feeling, but going forward, you know, into my adult things, I felt that um, I deserved everything I got um, because I've been so bad when I was younger. Right. Now, it's interesting, Chris, what you're saying there, how you felt as a young child at 10 years old, mm. having brought chicken pox into the house, as you say, and that, you know, because yeah. the baby caught it, that somehow you was responsible for his death. Mm. I don't know if you are into the law of attraction, if you've read any of those kind of books. I haven't, no. Because one of the things they say is our feelings and how we feel about ourselves is what attracts certain experiences into our reality because we're yeah. vibrating at a certain frequency. Mm. Not to say, you know, you bring things on yourself, but in a way no. that's kind of the ethos sort of behind the whole law of attraction where they say that what you manifest in your reality is a result of like your like frequency level. Just as I'm talking to you, this is just sort of an idea that's running through my mind there. And if you tend to feel like I'm always unlucky, then it's like unlucky things happen to you, that whole kind of thing. But just sharing a thought with you there. (laughs) There you go. So Hope Over Anxiety. So you started off writing the book then to help our listeners. First of all, the first step you took, you wrote down all your feelings, how you felt about the event, or was it more like a diary entry or... How did that sort of first writing begin? And then how did you then start to to turn the contents of that into the book? Because it's not a fictional, it's not like a story. It's not like that. Although you share your experience within the book, it is almost like I'd say a self-help book, would you say? It is. Mm. Yeah, it is. And say what I did before, obviously, I want to start writing a book. So I need to make sure that I planned everything first. Mm. So I read several books on, you know, how to write a book. And then I started writing from there. I basically mind mapped it all out. So um, each chapter I wanted to write out exactly what um, I needed to put in there and then just put uh, points from it. And then sometimes where, for example, the mindfulness chapter, I um, spent a bit more time reading through it. But once I'd sort of mapped it out into little small chunks of each chapter, I would then sort of like let it percolate in my mind. Mm-hmm. So I'll be in the shower and then I'll be going, right, I need to put that in there. So then I'd use Evernote and I'll just write little notes on my book. Okay. Uh, and then... 
And once that had happened, I currently use Scrivener. So it's a, sort of like an app for a word uh, sort of processing app that's really good for um, authors. Okay. And then I started writing things down uh, and doing it like that and setting things out. But one thing I sort of kind of realized as well that with the book, there's was more to it than just chapters. There's sometimes where near the end of I've, when I'd finished a book, I thought I need to add a bit more feelings and stuff in here as well. And I got, got a bit creative and I started putting a few poems in there and a few sort of inspirational sort of messages in each mm-hmm. um, part so as you're flicking through it. Mm. So I added those two types of bits as well. I had an illustrator, which I'm very fortunate to have a wife that is a teacher. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so she did a few illustrations for me as well, which Excellent. I've popped into the book. But I'd got an idea of where I wanted to go. I'd written it out and then sort of like near the end, I come up with a few different ideas to add, which was much to my editor's distraction because <laughs> we <laughs> thought she'd always finished. <laughs> and I'll throw a bit more at her. Yeah, that, that's how I've done it. I've done it a little bit more structured for my next book, but um, that was how I sort of like played it out. Okay. Is it a sequel? The next book that you're working on at the moment, is it a sequel to this book? Yeah. yeah it's basically the one, it's sort of like six months later um, type thing, but the book is about crippling anxiety, um, the first one. The next one won't be about that. It'll be the next level of sort of like, you know, loving your anxiety and using it um, to help um, other people. And it'll be a bit more about coaching them and, and sort of guiding them. So, you know, the plan is that if someone reads the first book, and then crippling anxiety or take them to the next book and then the plan for that would be a third book where they're sort of like you know in a really good place and looking to uh, take on the world <laughs> oh as you do as you do love it absolutely love it okay hope over anxiety where can people interested in this buy it it's on amazon okay it's on amazon at the moment if you can Kindle Unlimited, it's um, part of that as well. So if you're interested in, in sort of flicking through it and reading a few pages, you're more than welcome to do that. Right. Um, the book is, is sort of split up so that uh, you can pick and choose what you want. So you can just flick through whatever you want. But that, that's how um, how we've done it So on Amazon. Okay. So the full title of the book is Hope Over Anxiety, How to Smash yep. Crippling Anxiety and Live the Life You Love. And the author right. is Chris Moss. So yep. Chris... Let me talk to you then about the coaching. When did that come into it? Because I can imagine that after going through what you've been through, you'd meet other people and you're sharing stories and some people might still be stuck in their their story, if you like. And mm. then how did you get into helping people sort of deal and overcome and get to grips with their anxiety? One of the things I started doing, and I started being quite open and honest, I'm writing a book. Mm-hmm. I've started sharing um, my experiences on Facebook and LinkedIn. Okay. And I've had responses from people from that. But I've also made made myself quite known to everybody that I know, well, I work with, etc. That um, I've suffered anxiety, and this is what I suffer with. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's been I expected to start off with to like a cringe, to like oh my god, you know, people are gonna gonna judge me on this. But I'm very surprised that response from people said, Do you know what, I've got anxiety too. And this is what I suffer with. There's a part in my book as well where I've got sort of like nine, ten people that have suffered from anxiety that I know, friends, and people that sort of like have um, put themselves forward to, to help. I've sort of like gone through that as well. So I've sort of talked to people and tried to be quite open and honest. But it's been amazing, the responses from people. Um, I say, because I've been so open and honest on Facebook and LinkedIn, mm. I get I regularly get messages from people that I, I don't, you know, don't know face to face that I, I know and I've, I've helped them even just a few words of encouragement and that's all they need sometimes. But um, I've been through it. I've been through hell 
and I managed to get out the other side and this is what I've done to do it and people are quite what's the word that they want to know how I've done it because they yeah. want to break free themselves. That's quite a brave and noble thing, really, to be so open on social media. Have you had mm. any sort of trolls or anyone at all? I haven't yet, no, which has been um, great. Um, I've got over 40 um, reviews for my book, 31 in America, and they range from four stars to five stars, and, and I think it's averaged about 4.75, wow. my average rating for my book. Mm. Um, I haven't had anything, and some of them, I've, I've, I'll be honest with you, have brought me to tears, mm. the messages they put on there. You know, you've given me more hope. Each mm. day is better now. I've read this book. You know, mm. you can't sort of like, you know, pay for stuff like that, and that, that's made me more determined and given me more strength for going forward and again um, I'm a life coach now as well I've got two clients that I'm going to be helping and they're they're really keen to work with me so that's another exciting thing that's happened over the last year. If anyone out there is thinking you know what I know someone that could help or that could help me Mm. how would anyone get in touch with you to you know inquire about your life coaching services and I'm assuming it it can be global maybe you could do it over Skype How, how does it work? Yeah, well, I've got somebody in Holland. So at the moment, I'm doing it over a messenger. But I say more than happy to Skype me. But the first thing to start off with would be my email, which would be moschristopher799 at gmail.com. Right. So they're more than welcome to message me and uh, we can start talking. First point of contact, anyone wants to get in touch with Chris regarding the coaching, it's Moss Christopher, and yep. Christopher is spelled C-H-R-I-S-T-O-P-H-E-R. 799 at gmail.com. Moss Christopher, 799 at gmail.com. Okay, and then they can email you and initiate the conversation from there. And you can yep. be anywhere around the world, basically. That doesn't matter. That's it. Yeah, anywhere. Matter. Anywhere at all. Nope, don't matter. So that's an interesting thing then. So sharing on social media. And obviously, mm. if it's your friends, they're not going to say anything bad on your page. It's when you get to total strangers, trolls, I suppose, yeah. that might, you know, mm. leave some disparaging comment on your feedback. But um, sharing your story is one way to also alert people, let them know about what you're going through and also that you mm. are writing the book as well. And I've got to ask, sort of just to keep coming to my mind, in terms yeah. of the person who actually carried out the attack, were they ever found? They were. It's still ongoing. Basically, there was two people involved and they hit eight stores during that time and they've only been done for two of them. And because the CCTV wasn't as good as what it should have been, they've struggled to be able to pinpoint who it was. So um, it's still an ongoing case. Okay. Wow. So it's not really over, over yet then, really, in a way? No, it's not. No, I've been, there's a couple of times where they've needed me as a witness when originally they said they didn't need me. And I've got as far as sort of like getting the car to drive off and then them ring and say, you know, half an hour before I was supposed to be there, I don't need, I'm not needed. But to say for me, I kind of got over that part and I'm very, very thankful that I had that, had it happen to me. <laughs> Sounds mm-hmm. a strange thing to say, but um, I am because it's, yeah, it made me the man I am. Yeah. Fair enough. We're listening to the Authors Podcast with Lisa Newton. Please do subscribe to, like and share this channel. <laughs> so if you're just tuning in, I am talking to Chris Moss. He is the author of Hope Over Anxiety, which is all about how to sort of rebuild yourself if you're someone who suffers from anxiety for whatever reason. And mm. it could be a life experience. Oftentimes, I think that is what triggers it. What would you say, Chris? Mm. Yeah, um, 
more often than not, there's quite a few reasons why you can be in anxiety. Parents could have anxiety as well, and that could be something that uh, triggers it. It could be accumulation events, um, financial problems and stuff could do it as well. Mm. And sometimes it could be just small things, you know, the final final straw mm. that breaks the camel's back. Interesting what you were saying about, you know, you've got a number of friends that are suffering in this way. And mm. it just reminds me of when I see, you know, when they're doing campaigns, awareness campaigns like Depression Week or Depression mm. Day and things like that, mental health awareness and stuff like that. I do wonder if, you know, they talk about how people suffer, particularly with depression in silence, where I've got similar numbers suffering with anxiety in silence again in the same kind of way. What would you yeah. say? I would agree with that. Read some stats recently that um, one in 10 people suffer anxiety during their lifetime. I do feel that um, there's a lot more people that suffer anxiety that um, we're not aware of. And also feel that there's a lot of people that suffer anxiety that they don't actually know they're suffering from anxiety, which I think is a big thing. One of the things that I noted from the experiences when I reached out to people was that um, only one male person um, said that uh, they had anxiety and they needed help. Everybody else was female. And I feel that's more indicative of what us males are, especially my sort of age group, my generation, than what it is about, you know, the facts. You know, I think it's twice the amount of women suffer anxiety than men do. But I just don't, don't think men um, are honest and, and, and uh, say that have anxiety. Mm. I think that's part of the reason as well. You're in your 40s. I am indeed, yeah. Mm. And why do you think that is? If someone's sitting there thinking, mm, I wonder, not to be a hypochondriac, but, you know, I wonder mm. if I'm suffering from anxiety. What are some of the symptoms? So one of the things you mentioned was like, you know, going outside and you felt like a panic. Yeah, um, I mean, there's some strange uh, things. So I talked to my team about this and they said, oh, really? Yeah. Dizziness, oh. headaches, mm. exhaustion, palpitations, jelly legs. There's quite a few things. And they say panic attacks as well. A lot of people think that a panic attack is sort of like you rocking in, in a corner. That isn't the case. I mean, for me, my anxiety attacks... I physically shake, mm. I stutter, I really, you know, I basically want to get out of there quick as possibly can. Mm. I don't want to get, hang around. So it is individual to other people as well. The basically, there's, I think there's 10 I've put in my book that um, the, the big ones that um, people have and the panic attacks as well. They, people actually feel like they're dying. I don't think people actually realise how bad these are. You know, you feel like your heart's busting out your ribcage when you have them. It's quite a, um, a scary experience especially when it's one of your first times you've had it. But once you get over it as well, it's a humiliation because you feel that, you know, you've made a big scene in front of everybody. I don't wish that on anybody, if I'm honest. But I also feel that people with anxiety are absolutely amazing because they have to deal with it on a daily basis. And the fact that they still get up and they still fight it, that should be something to be applauded. They should be really proud of themselves because there are so many people out there that have it. Mm. What would you say to someone sitting out there, maybe they've been through some sort of traumatic experience mm. and they don't know where to turn to? Because I thought that was quite interesting as well, where you said that, you know, if you go to your doctor, certain tablets that they might prescribe you might take six weeks to kick in. Like, why does yeah. it take so long? Yeah, I know. Say so one thing I've not really gone into is is that sort of things, but they they do say that you basically um, will feel a lot worse before you get better. And then is it likely to then maybe cause another problem where you might get addicted to the tablets and it's difficult to come off them when you stop taking them? Does the anxiety then return? How say, does it work? For, oh, I'm I'm only going to do this from experience of people that I've spoken to that have been on sort of tablets, but 
basically um, over a short period of time, it comes back tenfold. So whatever you had and felt before, it's worse afterwards. Now, obviously, that's what I've experienced from other people who have been talking to me, how they feel. Mm. Um, obviously, I'm not no doctor, but for that, that's what's what happened to them. And whatever issues that they had in the past before that, and while they went on it, they're still there for, to be dealt with, having the tablets that do help you. But it's a short-term fix and just to get you better. Yeah, there are other strategies that can be more long-term. For example, like meditation, like you mentioned, and the other things yeah. in your book. Okay, so excellent. So how have friends and family reacted to, have they actually read your book? Because I yes. always think that's, yes. and did you ever feel anxious? Like, oh, what will they think? Or yeah. is that just, you know, not even a thought that entered your mind? Well, I did this for me, but I did make sure that my parents and my immediate family as well got a copy of the book before it mm. launched. And I'm also really, really proud um, because my editor is my cousin and she's the other side of the world in Australia. Oh, wow. And, um, <laughs> yeah. And with this book, it's actually brought us together closer, uh, which is, I think has been um, superb. But I've been nothing but positive. You know, my wife's been more than helpful. I mean, bless her. Um, she's a, a teacher. So she's um, spent quite a bit of time actually going through it and editing it for me as well. Mm. So um, that's been great. And so my mum and dad have been sort of like really good. And, you know, to get a message from my dad and my mum and say that we're we really proud of you. Is something else to sort of like keep you motivated and keep you going. I've not had any issues with, um, you know, people not supporting me on it, if I'm honest. Um, they said, you go for it. And from, from people that I've not met and, and I've got to know people more by the fact that I've said, do you know what? I've got anxiety. Um, I'm getting a book out and, you know, they've sort of been quite open and honest and I've found a lot more friends through this. Yes, I can see how that can work. People out there, if you're thinking of writing a book, an idea, make sure that, you know, friends and family, if they've got skills, you wrote them into yeah. the process. Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> and the software you mentioned, is it Scribner? Or Scrivener. Scrivener. With a V, Scrivener. Scrivener. Yeah. With, with a, it's S-C-R-I-V-E-N-E-R. Okay. And also you began with Evernote, you mentioned as well. Yeah, Evernote, it's something I always have, and, and I use it for my book too as well. So, Okay, and in terms of like your writing routine, do you write every day? Do you mm. write in chunks? Do you write when you feel inspired or when an idea comes to you? How do you manage that around your work as well? Because you, you still are in work. Yeah, I used to get quite frustrated with myself because I wanted to write half an hour every day. So I'd get up and I'd write, but physically I, I'm, that's just not, possible with the what amount of work I have to do during the day mm. so all I chance myself with is making sure that I do one percent every day um, and that could be that in the car and I might listen to a podcast about um, books and what I need to do to uh, market it mm. it could be a phone call like today mm. um, it could be loads of different things so I make sure that I do at least three times a week and I've split it up now yeah two 15 minutes a day uh, that's what I'll try and do. But because I use Evernote and, and most, to be fair, it's probably every day that I come up with an idea. I use that as well. But it's just focusing on one percent every day, because realistically, I do 50, 60 hours a week at work. Mm-hmm. I've got two kids that need my time mm-hmm. and you know, I want to give my time to them. Physically, it's not going to be possible to sit and write mm-hmm. for half an hour every day, every, you know, every day of the week. It's, it, I just can't do it. I did used to give myself a hard time over it, but, you know, realistically, that you know, it's just not possible. It's not, and it's not fair on my family either. Mm. You made some good points there. But you do fit it in around your lifestyle, around your circumstances, and the key thing is that you're making time for it. 
Yeah. What would you say? I enjoyed it. <laughs> what would you say is the best thing about being an author? The best thing, community. I've met some absolutely amazing people and they share their experiences. They're more than willing to help you and they'll go above and beyond to help you. That's the best thing for me. And to share with people how you're getting on. You know, they're quite open and honest about where their failures are and what they've done wrong, but the community. But I get a real buzz out of writing and I'll get a real buzz out of making a difference to other people. And there's so many other people out there that write that do want the same thing. Yeah, that's fantastic. You are listening to the Authors Podcast with me, your host, Lisa Newton. You can email me, lisa at lisanewton.co.uk. And remember, we have the Inner Circle, which is for writers just like you. And you can join us at writerbook.net. So, if you're tuning in, I am speaking to Chris Moss. He's the author of Hope Over Anxiety, How to Smash Crippling Anxiety and Live the Life You Will Love. The book is available on Amazon. You can email Chris and his email address is mosschristopher799 at gmail.com. And he can also be found on Facebook and the who to look for, uh, CP Moss author, all one word. And you yeah, should... CP Moss author, yeah. yeah. Should be able to find me. You should be able to find Chris there on, on Facebook. So Chris, any final words for the writers out there? Yeah, for me... We deal in dreams, writers, and it's not just dreams for the people that are reading your book. It's the dream for you. Writing a book, publishing a book is one of the most difficult things you can ever do. However, it's one of the most amazing things you can do as well because it opens doors in your mind to realize that you can do whatever you want to do in your life. Mm. Um, you know, people get so sort of tunnel visioned on, on what, what they can and can't do, but writing a book just makes you, you know, makes you actually realize that I'm making a difference to other people. And how many more books can I write? I just think it's an amazing experience that, you know, I'd highly recommend many people do. Um, only 1% of 81% of people write books. 1%. So whoever writes one and publishes a book is part of the 1%. You need to think about that when you're publishing it and when you're pushing yourself towards it. Yeah. What do you think stops people? Sorry, say again? What do you think stops people? There's so many people out there that want to do it. What do you think stops them? Mm. There's two reasons for me. Firstly, I'm not good enough. It's going to be a lot of rubbish. And if we do, you, every single person that writes a book feels the same. <laughs> it's a load of rubbish. My dog could write better, is what you feel. But there's, a, there's another uh, thing for me, and what I found really, I had to really smash through um, the last sort of month or two before I published. What happens if I'm successful? My life's going to be a lot different now because of it. What will happen? And that's the thing that scared me rigid <laughs> the fear of success <laughs> fear of success not fear of failure mm. fear of success and that again so many people find it uh, difficult but you've got to just got to make sure that when you hit procrastination there's a reason why it's stopping you and there's always for me there's something there that will promote me for, for doing it and i need to fix that problem before i can go forward mm. and in terms of your life coaching business mm. what ta- kind of clients do you work with is it people who who are anxious or is it also people who, like you say, suffering with, with procrastination and not doing what they need to do and working on why that might be and getting them through that. 
Yeah, for me at the moment, it's that people that suffer anxiety, but I'm more than happy to help anybody. Writers help them in any way, shape or form that um, they need help, um, whether it's procrastination or whether they want advice on marketing or whether they want advice on what they need to do next. I have um, spent the last sort of 18 months um, learning about book marketing. I've been on so many courses. I've um, made sure that I've uh, learned from the best in the business in terms of um, writing books and marketing. Mark Dawson, Joanna Penn, Nick Stevenson, um, and they give great advice and great feedback. And a lot of the stuff that they uh, send out was for free. So I highly recommend that anybody that's listening to this, that that's exactly what they do and have a look at those people because they give so much out. They've got podcasts and stuff as well. If you want to make this work, then you've got to make sure that you've got every, everything covered. Um, and that's really helped help me. And I'm more than happy to um, give my experience of the last 18 months and all the experience I've had from a lot of other writers and authors. So for the book marketing, repeat those names for us again. Yeah, and for book marketing, for how to write a book, whatever you're doing, whether it's fiction or non-fiction, you're looking at Nick Stevenson. Nick Stevenson. Joanna Penn. Joanna Penn. Nick Stevenson. Yeah, and uh, Mark Dawson, they're all uh, um, English uh, authors. And Mark Dawson. They've made very successful businesses. There's several others that you can uh, look at as well. Chandler Bowl has got about six or seven books that uh, he's written. Quite a few of them about how to publish a uh, book. Um, he's an American, um, and I say, uh, it's from my course, that, uh, from the course I've learned a lot from him. And his name again? Chandler Bolt. Chandler Bolt. Chandler Bolt, C-H-A-N-D-L-E-R. Ah, Chandler Bolt. Okay. Excellent. So listeners out there, there are plenty of resources out there, people giving information Mm. away, as well as courses that you can attend. And this is something completely doable, completely within your grasp. Whatever the blocks are, you just have to smash through them and get it done. Find the time. Yeah, find the time. If you want to do it, you'll do it. (laughs) There you go. If you want to do it, you will do it. I have been talking to Chris Moss. He is the author of Hope Over Anxiety, How to Smash Crippling Anxiety and Live the Life You Will Love. Apologies in advance if I've been saying anxiety differently every time I've been saying the word. (laughs) 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 It's anxiety. Okay. Anxiety. Okay. (laughs) You can contact Christopher at mosschristopher799 at gmail.com and on Facebook, the full website is www.facebook.com forward slash at author, all one word. Yeah. I want to thank Chris for taking the time to be very open and to speak with us. And listeners, I hope you've taken some information from that away. Thank you, Chris. You have been listening to the author's podcast with Lisa Newton, sponsored by Boogles Limited. Tweet the show at Boogles underscore books, spelled B-O-O-G-L-E-Z underscore books. You can also contact your host via the email address lisa at lisanewton.co.uk. And if you want to join our author's community, join the inner circle at www.writerbook.net You have just been listening to the author's podcast with Lisa Newton. See you next time.